0: Good morning. It's November the first. That's right. You have to turn that calendar today, November the first, twenty twenty-two. I'm Carmen LeBurge. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen here on the Faith Radio Network. And today's growing your faith verse of the day comes from First Timothy chapter six, verse seventeen. And you're going to say to yourself, "Hey, are we done with the Sermon on the Mount? Yep, we have uh, worked our way through Matthew chapters five, six, and seven. Really wonderful opportunity to reflect on." A, a long passage of scripture in which Jesus, um, you know, just speaks directly to us. So I encourage you to be in the Word of God today, that the Word of God might get into you before you get out there into the world that God so loves. So today's growing our faith verse of the day comes from First, first Timothy, chapter six, verse seventeen, which is going to immediately lead you to ask, "Now who's Timothy and who is writing to Timothy?" Well, um, Timothy is a young man who um, whose mother and grandmother are both Christians. And Paul is his mentor, his, um, the person who is discipling him in the faith. And so Paul is writing this letter to Timothy. So the Apostle Paul is speaking here to Timothy. Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives um, all that we need for our enjoyment, Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. So as we unpack this verse, let's consider what it means to teach. Because Paul is saying to to Timothy, I mean, this is a direct instruction for Timothy to teach. Now, Timothy is young, um, and that's significant here. Timothy is also um, not rich by comparison to others in his community. And so Paul is saying to Timothy, you are to teach, and you are to teach those who are rich. And and then he talks about exactly what Timothy is supposed to be teaching those who are rich. But let's just consider for a moment Paul's instruction to Timothy, who is both young and not rich, to be teaching those who are older than him and rich or richer than him. And I think it's a good reminder that in our lives, we ought to be like Paul in terms of having a Timothy, a person into whom we are pouring the things of the faith out of our, um, out of our experience as more mature disciples. But we also ought to be encouraging those who are younger than us in, you know, both both years and in terms of the faith, to be teaching others. Um, and it's it's not inappropriate, um, you know, for those who are more mature in their faith, although younger in years, to be discipling those who are older in years, but not as mature in faith. Does that make sense? So Paul is saying to Timothy, teach those, teach those who are rich, teach those who are rich not to be proud, teach those who are rich not to trust in their money. Um, and so, first of all, I think it's, a, it's good for us to consider the ways in which we're rich, the ways in which we're proud, and the, the places and things in which we put our trust. Paul goes on to say, money's unreliable. I mean, I don't know. If you needed a lesson in that, the, um, the current state of the economy is certainly teaching us that. So there you go. Teach those who are rich to trust in God. All right. So there's a juxtaposition here between trusting in money and trusting in God. And you're going to say, well, that sounds an awful lot like the things that Jesus taught us in the Sermon on the Mount um, about where we uh, lay up our riches. And then, he, and then he says, God richly gives us all we need. And God doesn't just give us all we need because we need it. God richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Now, that's a good lesson for the day as well, to look around at all of the things. This is going to be the, you know, count your blessings month, name them one by one. This is going to be a month of Thanksgiving. And so what does it look like for us to um, count the blessings that God has given us and recognize the richness of those blessings, not only to meet our needs, but for our enjoyment? What are the things that you taste and see and delight in? So those who are rich, teach them to use their money to do good. So there's a specific use here of the riches that God has placed within our reach and under our stewardship, that we would be rich in good works, generous to those in need, always ready to share with others. So good um, lessons for today. If you need another lesson from Paul on generosity and how we are uh, to use the good gifts that God has given us, why don't you read 2 Corinthians chapter 9? that's a good lesson for today as well. Well, Where in the Word are you today? Well, I'm in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17, and 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Looking forward to spending some time with you today. This is Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBurge. You're listening to Faith Radio. Dr. Mark Caleb Smith is back with us today from Cedarville University. You can find him on Twitter, Mark Caleb Smith. Good morning, sir. Good
2: morning, Carmen. How are you doing?
0: I am well. I am well. All right, so Pew uh, Research is telling us that 45% of those whom they surveyed say says say, mm-hmm, have said <laughs> that the U.S. should be a, quote, Christian nation. And that um, provoked me to really consider and think how I would answer some of these questions um, and what I would mean if someone asked me, is the United States a Christian nation and should the United States be a Christian nation? So help us unpack this conversation a little bit.
2: Yeah, I think that headline is a really good window uh, into this conversation because uh, we're left automatically with this question of what does it even mean to be a Christian nation? Um, Because the term doesn't define itself. I mean, are we talking about a majority of Americans are Christians, and therefore we're a Christian nation because most of the people have a commonly held religious background or religious set of beliefs? That would be one way to look at it. Or are we talking about a Christian nation as in uh, we have a special relationship to God, you know, that we are uh, connected to God in an unusual way and that God is providentially carving out space for america and uh, we have an obligation to uh, obey his word as part of this sort of covenant relationship that'd be another way of looking at it um and of course we also would have to think about what does it mean to have uh, church and state and how are those connected or not connected so is a christian nation one that passes laws that require christian worship or that encourage christianity or that encourage at least a christian morality um, So all these things sort of swirl around in this conversation, and you could comfortably answer that question. Yes, I believe we should have a Christian nation and mean many, many different things by just that label alone.
0: So I spent a little time thinking about this, and I, I feel like most people that I talk with mean one of two things. They either mean... And this would be the way that I would mean it if I were to use the to use the phrase, if you were to say that Carmen is a Christian nationalist or Carmen believes in Christian nationalism or that America is a Christian nation, I would mean the influence uh The influence approach to this, not the identity approach. And that's where I would, that's the conversation I'm trying to have with people. Like when you say that you want the United States to be a Christian nation or you believe it is, um, what do you mean by that? And I'm really asking an influence conversation or an identity, um, you know are you denoting influence or identity cuz i do think that i mean i'm i'm advocating every single day that we ought to be christians walking our faith out into the world that god so loves we ought to be doing so in ways that honor jesus and absolutely influence the culture and the world around us and absolutely bring our christian convictions to bear on the conversations of the day and yeah the laws of the land i would i would love to see us be more christian in terms of, um, right. uh, of of the things that we say and do together. However, I also recognize that's not the identity um, of a country that is, by its very nature, secular in terms of the non-establishment of a particular religion. So for me, I'm trying to have the... Are you talking about Christian influence in the culture, or are you trying to? Right. Are you really saying we want a Christian identity in the same way that Israel is Jewish and Turkey is Muslim right. and right. and India is Hindu?
2: Yeah, I think that's I think that's a good line to draw um, because where this conversation usually ends up is: uh, Are you still a supporter of the First Amendment, and are you still a supporter of uh, you know no establishment of religion? So there, there's no national church. And that there has to be some toleration for other faiths, you know, not just toleration, but equality uh, for other faiths. And it feels like in the conversation that we're having right now within evangelicalism, uh, because books are coming out about Christian nationalism, editorials are flying all over the place about Christian nationalism, uh, it feels like that's really where the conversation is headed, is how much do we expect the government to do on behalf of our Christian values and do we expect it to do something that that historically we have limited the the federal government from doing? Um, And so this gets right into that murky question is what does it mean for church and state to be separated? Um, Is this an institutional difference? Is that a value difference? Um, Is that a legal distinction? And again, that phrase, just like Christian nationalism has to be carefully defined I think before you can have a, a good fruitful conversation.
0: All right, we're going to continue our conversation here in just a moment with Dr. Mark Caleb Smith. We're gonna we're just going to continue on this path because one of the things I've certainly been noting um, are the ways in which churches spe- churches in general, um, but very specifically, some pastors are taking to the pulpit to expressly advocate for particular candidates and offering their pulpits to candidates um, to use for campaigning. Let's let's talk about that next here on Mornings with Carmen. Thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit myfaithradio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. This is the GI Jive. Man alive. It starts with the bugla blowing. Continuing our conversation with Mark Caleb Smith, Um, we're talking about living in the United States of America in these days as Christians and the conversation. at the intersection of the church and political realities of the day, so I, Mark, I suppose that pastors have always preached political sermons because the gospel right. is at some at some level very, very political right um, but these these sermons that i 'm seeing um posted online right now that are expressly either celebratory of or derogatory of a particular candidate. That that seems contrary to the way this is all supposed to work.
2: Yeah, there, there's certainly a movement right now, pardon me, in uh, American evangelicalism to uh, use the pulpit for a very direct political way. Um, I think during the pandemic, we saw a lot of churches grow because they began to take on the government explicitly over COVID issues and began to speak out against COVID policies uh, and the role of government. And I think some of that's just filtered into now the political season that we're in with midterm elections and a presidential election just coming down the pike. Uh, And so pulpits are are now being used, I think, more broadly than we've seen in quite a while uh, to endorse candidates, to speak out directly against candidates and to potentially uh, perhaps even threaten the tax-exempt status of some churches because of how far they're going uh, in this political direction.
0: Yeah, I'm um, I'm looking online at a sermon by a Dr. Jamal Bryant. Um, on October the 30th, he preached <clears throat> a, an express—I mean, expressly a sermon uh, entitled, um, I Don't Need a Walker. And it is just—I ex- right. mean, it is— it is uh, it is a it is a takedown of a particular candidate for U.S. Senate in in a southern state, um, and and I see that and I say to myself, okay, so does he get away with that? I mean, here this is these are going to be my honest questions. Does he get away with that because he's a very fiery, energetic black preacher, and and there is in the African American church a history of absolutely platforming um particular right. candidates for right. political positions um or does he get away with it because the candidate that he's supporting is one favored by you know those who might otherwise be be trying to hold churches to account for what they're doing i mean you see my you see my challenge here right
2: no no question about it um and this is one of the areas i think where uh, we've seen people lose trust in the federal government in various ways um, and, and if you don't see these kinds of standards applied equally, regardless of the politician being argued for or against or the party partisan position being taken, uh, then we start to lose trust in, in the fairness and the objectivity uh, of our government. And it, like, like you said, within the African-American community, there's a long history of using the pulpit this way. Uh, I think there's a growing tendency now in the uh, white evangelical community to use uh, the pulpit at least a little bit like this as well. And I can't speak for you necessarily, but I can just say for me, it it makes me uncomfortable uh, because I think then you run a real risk of just alienating and dividing your congregation um, over very narrow partisan issues. You know, we're not talking about taking a broad moral stance on an issue like abortion. We're talking about taking a very narrow approach to a specific candidate and then alienating people who don't share that same... Uh, that same desire to vote a certain way. And so I think churches be really careful, not only legally speaking, uh, but just in terms of ministering to their flock when they take these kinds of very strong, specific positions.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, when you think about All Saints Day and you think about um, the impact of the Reformation on um, political discourse or even the way that we we characterize and organize ourselves as a free people... You know, want to make any comments on Reformation Day?
2: Yeah, I think the Reformation had a, a dramatic effect, you know, not only obviously on the uh, religion and theology and our religious institutions, you know, for us as Protestants in particular. Um, but it had a significant effect on how we see government, how we see the individual's role in society. Um, it had this sort of interesting Uh, theology of equality, you know, that we're all equally sinful, we're all equally worthy um, of destruction on the one hand, but we're also equally eligible for God's grace on the other. Um, That leveling effect of that theology, I think, ended up having very strong, significant political consequences. Uh, It's hard to imagine meaningful political equality, uh, like we even see eventually in the United States, uh, coming out of a culture that doesn't have that sort of reformation approach uh, on that specific issue. Uh, And then as as political thinkers, even uh, John Calvin, Martin Luther, and other reformers had had a dramatic effect, you know, not only on their world, uh, but on the people who founded our nation as well.
0: Mark, um, as always, thank you so much for being with us today. Um, What's happening? What's happening where you are during the month of November? Like we just turned our calendars from you know, October to November, and I think of um I think in my family, that means we kind of turn from all right, we, you know, the school year got rocking and rolling, we're now fully into it. and now it's almost like we turn we turn toward the holidays. like that's what feels like what's next uh,
2: we turn toward the holidays, but uh, in my family right now, we turn toward basketball. Um, mm. I have three girls who are playing basketball this fall, and I'm coaching one of them in a middle school uh, basketball, and so uh, we turn heavily into basketball, and it'll be that way for at least uh you know four months and It's a lot of fun, but it's a busy household and uh it's it's a good season though, and we'll certainly celebrate Christmas along the way, but we'll be shooting a lot of hoops over the next few months
0: okay, I love that so one of the things I recently and this might have been because I wasn't paying as close attention during his tenure as president, but I recently learned that during his tenure as president, um Barack Obama coached middle school basketball for one of his girls. And I'm, I'm just trying to imagine what that must have been like, right? And he, in this interview that I saw, he's like, okay, basically, you're just trying to keep them off their phones and not worried about their nails. He's like, it really is not basketball. He's <laughs> just, which he can say now because his girls are adults, but I'm like, right. at the time he was like, apparently there was a lot of shaking of the head, like, are you kidding me? So there you go. I think that some, you know, people who love basketball and love to play basketball, um, this is, uh, yes, tis the season. So there you go. Thanks so much, um, as always, for joining us. We appreciate it.
2: Thank you. Take care, Carmen, and we'll talk to you later.
0: That'd be great. We're going to take a moment for Upwards with Max Lucado. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBerge, and this is Faith Radio. Right. Uh, a couple of uh, headline things to catch up on here. Apparently, the World Series got rained out last night, so Game 3 has been postponed. Um, a little update here. Um, let me see. I thought I had an update on Paul Pelosi. Let me let me run back here and see what I've got on that. Um, I know that thank you to those of you who expressed, you know, prayerful concern. Um, so let's see. Uh, it looks like he is still in the hospital. We do know now that, um, you know, he suffered a skull fracture um, because of the intruder into their home. And that person is going to be arraigned today. So that will be, we will watch for that to be happening. Both, um, they're going to face charges both um, in uh, in California, they're in San Francisco, local charges, but they'll also face federal charges as well. Um, and, uh, and let's see. Oh, and for those of you who've been asking, hey, Whatever happened to that family from Ukraine that Carmen was uh, involved in sponsoring to bring to the United States they have arrived not at my house but they have arrived in the United States and they are um uh and they are living with a family in Utah so um thank you for your prayers expressed related to that and I certainly learned a lot uh engaged in that sponsorship process so praising God for all of that continuing to pray for families who have lost loved ones, um, around the world in so many really catastrophic, tragic events, the collapse of the suspension bridge in, in India, the, um, the Halloween just crowd that crushed one another for lack of a better way of describing what happened in Seoul, South Korea, just really, um, terrible stories emerging from there as well. And then, uh, and then the kinds of things that are going on not only in Ukraine, but the suicide bombings in Somalia, just so many places of concern around the world. And so thank you for continuing to pray the headline news with me as well. We're gonna um we're gonna talk with Sam Hodges next about um sharing our grief with one another, how we can really lovingly support one another as we enter into this holiday season. So maybe your church has um some special services planned. I know that there are some places where, you know, they focus on, like, blue Christmas services and helping those who are who suffer during this time of year. I mean, as we approach the holidays, there's all this great anticipation, but then there's also a deep, deep sadness. Um, there's an empty chair at a lot of tables this year. I'm thinking about, um, you know, families who have lost children, those of us who have lost children. Um, you know, a brother-in-law, a sister-in-law, a sister, a a brother, a friend, a mom, a dad, on and on and on. Um, Or people who are sitting at a table alone um, because they've been abandoned or forsaken um, because they have a prodigal. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. And so what does it look like to be the family of God, the family of faith, to mutually encourage and support one another during this season? What does it look like for us to share our grief during the holidays? And Mutually bear one another's burdens. Sam Hodges is going to join us next. So Sam Hodges is the president of the church initiative and church initiative is probably something that you are aware of and are not aware that you're aware of, because in all likelihood, you have a divorce care or a grief share program um, at a church near you. You've seen you've seen it on a billboard. You've seen it on a sign. You know someone who has participated and been blessed and so well served by these ministries of Church Initiative, which is based in Wake Forest, North Carolina. Sam, welcome to Mornings with Carmen.
1: Hey, good morning, Carmen. It's so good to be with you.
0: So I think there's just a lot of people who probably don't know the ministries that are behind the ministries that we see. So talk with us about Church Initiative and your front-facing ministries, the ministries that people would be familiar with and the ministry behind those.
1: Yeah, at Church Initiative, we we simply want to equip churches to help people who are going through a um, serious life challenge. And uh, what we do is we create resources like Grief Share, Divorce Care, and then we we don't just publish the materials. We actually support uh, the teams at local churches to help them to understand the best way to reach people in their communities who are going through divorce and grief. And, one and of we're now,
0: is- yeah, I think that, you know, and there's like the single, the single and parenting approach, um, right. you know, and then specific versions of grief share. I have a friend in West Virginia who just was such a blessed beneficiary of the, um, the grief share loss of a spouse um, program. I just, I, I think that people would be, Really blessed to check out um what, what's going on at Church Initiative. You guys can check it out at churchinitiative.org um and all of the various um efforts and initiatives uh that that are taking place there.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, that that'd be great. Yeah, because there's there's just so much hurt and um and, and the church often wants to help. And pastors are very, very busy. And so what we've done is we've created resources that really allow pastors to entrust lay people um, to be able to offer high-quality, um, Christ-centered um, support groups. And so, um, you know, that, that's what we've done, and we've been doing that for for over almost 30 years now.
0: It's a really great way for local churches to reach out to their community and meet the needs, um, you know, beyond their own congregation, in addition to, you know, caring and comforting those um, within a particular church. So I just I just wanted to celebrate and applaud what you guys are doing um, across the board. Let's talk specifically um, about grief share and grief during the holidays. You know, as we turn from October to November, you know, November and December, it starts kind of a um, a list, a cascade. Uh, some people really look forward to this time of year and other people really, really dread it. Um, why are the holidays so difficult for people who have lost a loved one?
1: Yeah, well, when you think about the holidays, you think about family oftentimes when we think about gifts and and we know the 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 center of it all is is christ but uh, family is just a big part of the holidays and they're just all sorts of reminders Uh, everywhere you go you know you see families in advertisements you see families at the mall you see um you know your your friends are getting together with family at christmas parties and so there's just this painful reminder of what you've lost during the holiday season and that can be really really difficult for people um you know, when 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 someone when, when someone dies, a lot of times some of the fondest memories uh, are surrounded are, are are about the holidays, you know, Christmas and Thanksgiving, and so those times. So for most people, you know, they're looking forward to it, uh, being with family, wanting to enjoy family, but you dread it because uh, you just don't want to be reminded of everything again that you've lost. And so, um, how
0: you know, how can we? both sort of acknowledge and invite and gently serve those who, um, who may be anticipating, um, I mean, you know, with real anxiety anticipating, even dreading yeah. the holidays because of their loss.
1: Well, One of the things that churches can do, you know, we, as you mentioned, we have the Grease share program. And one of the things we also have is a program called Grease share, surviving the holidays. And that's a one night event. Uh, The churches can host. And what we do is we provide the church with a video that features uh, top Christian experts uh, who are addressing these very issues. And they help people who are going through the holiday season, who are dreading the holiday season, come up with a plan and understand what they're going to deal with during the holiday season. Uh, If you offer this seminar to people in your community, it can really um, prepare them for what lies ahead. And it's a wonderful way for you, your church, uh, really to demonstrate that you care about people in the community. And so um, surviving the holidays and events um, can be offered in about two hours. And what people do is they come together, they watch a video, they also receive a uh, what we call as a survival guide, which has uh, notes that'll help them through the evening's program, uh, but also uh, over a month's worth of devotionals to carry them through the holidays. And those devotionals uh, point them to Christ and the Scripture uh, to help them understand God's comfort and uh, what He has to say about their loss during the holiday season.
0: So, I mean, that's. That's such a gift. Um, first of all, it's a gift to the church that it would already be put together. And it's something that, you know, a church could use. You guys can check it out at griefshare.org backslash holidays, or you can just Google surviving the holidays, griefshare, and that will come up. Griefshare does not have a space in it. So just put those two words together. Um, okay. and it, I mean, that's such a, it's such a gift to the church. It's also obviously, you know, such a ministry to, um, to people who are really, wondering how they're going to, how they're going to make it through um, this next, you know, round, round of holidays.
1: Yeah. People, you know, when, when people lose a loved one, um, one of the things that we've seen is it really causes them to ask questions about ultimate issues. And so there's, there's a, there's a need, you know, people need to be comforted, uh, but at the same time, they're asking these questions. And so there's also this opportunity to address uh, spiritual issues, you know, people want to know why did why did they die? Why did they suffer? Um, you know, sometimes people feel guilt. Sometimes people, you know, for maybe what they they think they didn't do to care for their loved one as they died, or maybe there was some unresolved conflict. And so, you know, all of these are are things that um, the the scriptures address. You know, God is a God of love. He's a God of forgiveness. And so, people are really ready uh, to hear answers to these things in a way that they would not have been. Uh, maybe previously. And so uh, while we don't want to um, take advantage of people and um, people are hurting, and a lot of times the source of their pain isn't just that someone's not there, it's all the issues um, surrounding those things. And so, um, you know, programs like Greece Share Survival on the Holidays just really, again, equip lay people to be able to help many people in the community. And we we see hundreds, thousands of people coming to know the Lord, Uh, Mm. through these events. And, you know, our our staff gets together every Monday morning and and every Monday we read testimonies from leaders, testimonies from people who have again come to know Christ, who have um, decided not to commit suicide. Um, You know, we we just hear so many wonderful stories of how people have experienced God's comfort. And the exciting thing is that so many of these people who once they receive God's comfort, they wanna turn around and give it back to someone else. And so uh, it's just a real incredible way to minister to to your community. It's we we really call internally, we call it a care and an outreach program Uh, because it's a way again to provide care. But when you promote these things um, and, and we provide materials that churches need to help them promote, uh, when, when you promote this, you get your congregation behind it. They're telling their friends. It's really an outreach program that can bring a lot of people to your church. Uh, we, we found that in many groups, over 50% of the people who attend are not from the host church. And so if you, if you want to reach your community, uh, this is a really, really, a, this is a really strategic way to do that.
0: Yeah, to comfort um others with the comfort with which we've been comforted is certainly a part mm-hmm. of a, a part of this conversation. We're talking with Sam Hodges from Church Initiative. We're talking about grief share, surviving the holidays. You can find it all at griefshare.org. Um Sam, when we think about moving from grief to like joy, like how can we encourage people um who have experienced grief, who maybe even still are grieving to say, You know what it's okay to enjoy the holidays it it's It's still okay to um to express joy
1: yeah it 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 really is some people feel guilty about that they they're concerned that maybe they're dishonoring their loved one by enjoying themselves. I remember we interviewed someone for griefs here years ago, and she felt guilty going to church. She felt guilty going out to dinner with some friends to a fast food restaurant, um, uh, because she wondered, you know, what would my husband think? And so, um, and and, and, some, and the other thing people wonder, they say, well, you know, what will my what will my friends think? Well, they think that um I'm I i i have gotten over it too quickly. And so, you know, the, the the reality is uh your loved one uh would want you to enjoy the holiday season. And so remembering that and um that that can be that can be an encouragement that can kind of open things up and then uh sometimes people they don't it's like it's their take they have to take steps, and it might not be you just move immediately from sorrow to joy a lot of times people want to take time to honor and remember their loved one during the holiday season and that's one of the things that we encourage people to do to be intentional about during the holiday season is taking time to honor their loved one so if you're going to your your daughter's house, you know, for Christmas, you know, it, it might be just letting your, your daughter know, uh, hey, we'd like to set I'd like to set aside some time for us all to talk about, you know, your father, you know, before dinner or, you know, before we open gifts. Just being really intentional. And um, that can be a huge relief that can make the holidays something that uh, isn't as painful. And then that can allow you to progress towards joy um, down the road.
0: So in my family, my dad died when I was, when I was 15 and, um, uh, we, you know, that empty chair for a while was kind of haunting, right? Cause every, every table you go to is set for four people <clears throat> and, um, you know, and he wasn't there and he wasn't at the head of the table, you know, the first Thanksgiving, the first Christmas, <clears throat> all of those things. And the the first I, I experienced is very, very difficult. And I think people, um, you know, echo that as well. It's the first time that you have to do something without that person. But we then just finally decided um, we were just going to start honoring the empty chair. And we would just have the empty chair as, you know, hey, you know, I mean, if dad were here, you know, these are some of <laughs> things that he might be saying or doing or enjoying. Um, and these are the things we miss about him. These are the things we want this next generation of people to know about him. Um, and just, just go ahead and just... Honor the reality of the empty chair. Don't don't try to act like um, there's not something missing because there is something missing um, and it's a real person who you love dearly and had real influence in your life. So um, yeah, that's all really, really helpful. Sam, let's continue our conversation in just a moment. If you're just joining us, we're talking with Sam Hodges. Grief Share uh, and Surviving the Holidays specifically is our conversation topic. You can find it at griefshare.com. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBurge, and this is Faith Radio. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of what we do on live radio every day. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio, tons of free resources just waiting for you at myfaithradio.com. Right now, we're inviting you to share your Faith Radio story. What do you love about Faith Radio? What do you love about Mornings with Carmen? How has this program changed the way you think or the way you live, the way you engage others in the conversations of the day. We really do want to hear from you. Your story could encourage someone else and certainly glorify God. So share what you love about Faith Radio by calling 877-933-2484 and leave us a message today. Again, thanks for listening.
2: You're with the Son of God. You're with the Prince of
0: Peace. You're with the one who celebrates. That thought amazes me. We're talking with Sam Hodges from Church Initiative. Specifically today, we're talking about a program related to Grief Share, um, and it's called Surviving the Holidays. And if you and your congregation are looking for a way not only to care for those in your own congregation, but also reach out to others in your community who are grieving, it's a wonderful, wonderful opportunity to do that. So inviting you to, uh, to check out this opportunity today at GriefShare.com dot o-r-g. Um, Veronica is checking in on the text line. You can do so as well. The number is 877 2484 Veronica says, I love this organization. I taught divorce care and then divorce care for kids. It was so rewarding for me. It really does help the people who participate. It's very well put together and the adults align, uh, the, the adults classes align with the kids classes. So yeah, your divorce care program, Sam, um, is also now divorce care for kids. Um, those are complimentary programs and want to celebrate that as well.
1: A church Initiative initially, originally started as Divorce Care, and uh, we didn't become Church Initiative until we actually created Grief Share um, years later. So, uh, yeah, this Divorce Care is is the heart of who Church Initiative is.
0: I love that. Um, so Leland is um, is online as well and asking this question. And you know, when we talk about brokenness and we talk about pain. Um, you know, sometimes the loss is not a loss of death. So Leland is asking, are these programs for broken families as well, um, parents who have an adult child who will not speak to them? When you, when you think about grief share and the people um, who benefit from it, Sam, um, you know, can you, see, can you see grief share and surviving the holidays as being something that Leland would benefit from?
1: You know, Share and and Share surviving the holidays are for people who have lost a loved one um, due to a death. And a lot of the principles in the course can help people who've experienced other losses. But one of the things that we find is that when people come into the group with those kind of losses, it doesn't have the best impact on the group dynamic. Um, and so we just, we really encourage churches that that offer it to focus on offering it to the intended audience and, uh, those who are dealing with the death of a loved one.
0: Yeah, that's really helpful. And I think that, you know, this is one of those times when it's okay to say, you know what, this is not that program. Like I, so I appreciate your honesty there. And, um, again, the principles Leland, uh, would apply, but the program is not, is not specifically designed, um, for your concern, but I'm going to get with you online and we're going to find something um, that, that would address um, what you're facing as well. So thank you for your, uh, for your question. Anne says, grief share, share really, all caps, helped me when we lost our three month old grandson. So she, mm-hmm. she says, thank you. Thank you to Sam um, for the blessing of grief share. Um, Sam, when we, um, when we think about the meaning of Christmas as the source of real hope, can you just have a conversation with those who are grieving the loss of a loved one this year and you know and provide provide the hope that christmas does offer as this you know holiday that we are fast approaching
1: yeah certainly i, I think it makes sense for uh, people who are grieving to um, be apprehensive about the holidays and um a lot of times you, you can feel like there's not a reason to celebrate, and and, and that makes complete, that makes total sense. And I think uh, one of the reasons we can um, be comforted um, by the the holiday season, even if we're not excited about it, is when we start to think about uh, what God has done for us in sending Christ into the world. And also not just what he's done for us in sending Christ, but who Christ is and what he's demonstrated. And uh, one of the things that uh, we learn about Christ is that um he's perfect um, but we also see it in his life that he he also grieved and so one of the things that that helps us you know during the holiday season is under is the is to say well you know what it's normal it's right to grieve because Christ grieved too um so in some ways uh, we can be comforted by that and we don't have to feel like we have to rush through our grief um or put a smile on our faces for other people because again Christ greed and if he's perfect um then that means it's okay to, it's okay to do that. The other thing that greet that 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 christ's uh, advent uh, helps us to see is that God has a solution for our pain, and uh, he has enacted that solution um Christ comes to deal with the source of all grief and um and when we we peek toward the end of the story, we see that Christ is the one who is going to one day wipe every tear um, from our eyes and there will be a new heaven. There'll be a new earth and there won't be any more pain and there won't be any more suffering. Uh, But uh, this plan that God had to bring that about uh, went into high gear uh, when Christ came to earth. And so um, Christ's coming is uh, is a reminder that God has dealt with the source of our pain. And one day we will never grieve again.
0: Mm, such a blessing. Um, thank you so much for joining us today uh, for, the ministry, the, for the Ministries of Church Initiative and specifically for sharing with us today about Grief Share, surviving the holidays. Sam, um, I hope you'll come back and join us again sometime.
1: No, oh, I'd love to. Thank you so much, Carmen.
0: Yeah, thank you. That's Sam Hodges. You can find him at Church Initiative, but we're talking today specifically about Grief Share, so we want to direct you to that website, griefshare.org. If you scroll down on that page, um, you'll see all of the various programs that are offered, and you can click on there to find a group and contact them directly. Today, we were talking about surviving the holidays. If you're looking for the direct link for that, again, uh, just scroll down the page at griefshare.org. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. You guys are um so great and sometimes the community needs to lean in and bring what we know and have experience to bear um in community on the lives of one another. And so, um, although I have recommended Judy Douglas's ministry, uh, Prayer for Prodigals to our friend Leland online, I'm wondering if um if you know of other ministries that might be a blessing and benefit to, you know, parents who are dealing with adult children who have rejected them. Um, or with whom there is a severed or broken relationship. If you if you have experience um with a specific ministry that would be a real blessing in this case, um let me know. Text me at eight seven seven nine three three two four eight four or email me Carmen at myfaithradio dot com. Love to be um connecting Leland with uh with some resources today. Um today is the day, by the way, there should be like Paul, do we have like a drum roll? Is there like a drum roll on our button board? Oh Hmm. Drum roll. Okay. I don't know. That's Carmen. There we go. Nice. The symbols. Can I have the clash of symbols? <laughs> you so, didn't oh, ask for that I don't of... know. I'm so sorry. <laughs> sorry. Today's the day. Today's the day. Um, okay. So, um, I have a website and it's been like completely redone. And so I'd love for you to visit it because that would be really fun. I'd love to have your feedback. Carmen Laberge. Yeah, super easy now to find. No longer some complicated mess of words. Just my name, CarmenLeburge.com. You can check it out. I'd love to hear your feedback. Today's the day that it launches. So if it doesn't work uh, perfectly, you know, have some grace. (sighs) Yeah. Um, all right, we are gonna spend another hour together here talking about um all kinds of things. I'm gonna I'm gonna spend a few minutes talking about All Saints Day at the top of the next hour. And so just want me to consider for a moment. That sometimes we think about saints as, you know, just like really, really somehow fantastically special people. Um, there even, you know, are people who are considered specifically saints. Um, you know, like you think of old Saint Nick, maybe is a good example here. Um, but in reality, the Bible calls all of those who are redeemed of the Lord saints. Like, we're all saints. Do you remember the conversation we had with um with Addison Bevere about this? Like you and I are saints. It, it, it's, a, it's a Greek word that just means those who are set apart, those who are consecrated to God. So that's all of us. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.